Hello and welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. All right. And so on this episode, we're really focusing on um, filling up this week before we lose our minds because football is very close to being upon us. It is so close. And we all we really want to talk about is uh, actual season, but we're like a week out, really. So what we're really going to do is talk about the SEC East and kind of see what's going on and uh, kind of do our too soon predictions of what we think might happen. So what this is going to look like is we are going to go in reverse S&P Plus predicted order based on Bill C's um, power rankings. Uh, and we're just going to talk about each team for a few minutes. And then we're going to give our predictions about how it's all going to fall out and who's going to win what. And I'm sure that our prediction for what will happen to Georgia will be pretty uh our homer picks will be pretty pretty evident and when that come when we get to that part but until then uh we got to start at the bottom and then we'll yep. be there in the words of Drake. Sure <laughs> all right so basically bill c has the sec divided into four tiers and all of the sec east teams are in three or four so like tier one is uh alabama tier two is auburn lsu and then everybody else is three and four including all mm-hmm. the sec east teams so our lowest SEC East team and the lowest team in the SEC that we were going to start with is Vanderbilt. Vandy. Uh, you know, what are, you, uh, what are your thoughts here? So I remember Vanderbilt last year as being, everyone just kept on talking about Vanderbilt getting better and better. And it seems like Vanderbilt's always getting better and better. Uh, but their S&P Plus ranking last year was right like smack dab in the middle of the whole league. Yeah. Um, 71st in the league. They went 6-7. and seven. Um that's not great yeah (laughs) but it's the vanderbilt that we we've kind of come to know i haven't followed vanderbilt as much because they're just not as exciting as it could be and they're also not georgia but more or less expect a lot of the same from vanderbilt uh if i had to guess what do you think yeah i mean so it looked like Derek mason was going to lose his job last year and basically the georgia game unfortunately like kept him his job they're bringing back a pretty good amount on offense so their offense should be not the like you know craptacular crap fest that we usually uh, expect from it um but they also lost a lot on defense they they lost a lot out of the running back core in particular uh zach cunningham the guy who single-handedly won the uga uga game for them on that fourth Mm -hmm. down play where isaiah mckenzie had the ball for some reason um (laughs) is gone as are a couple of their other starters uh they their overall returning numbers are not too bad. Like what their the percentage of their re, you know returning production. They've got eighty one percent back, ninety four on offense, sixty eight on defense, which is not like awful. But they still are only projected for four point five second order. Or they're basically only projected for how many wins does that leave us total? Six. Can, yeah, it's right at six. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, six flat. Wow, I didn't even think that that was the right number because it's so ra- no. I, I've got projected wins five. Oh my bad. It is five and seven. Yeah. Yeah. So projected wins five uh, based on the S&P Plus model. He, his win percentages, if we're going to go top to bottom, Middleton Tennessee State, 65%, Alabama and A&M, 100%, Kansas State, 44%, Alabama, 5%. Uh, Vanderbilt has a worse chance of beating Georgia or of beating Alabama than Samford has of beating Georgia. Just let that sink wow. in for a second. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Florida, 15%, Georgia, 31%, Ole Miss, 26%. South Carolina, 35%. Western Kentucky, 52%. Kentucky, 48%. Missouri, uh, 52%. And Tennessee, 26%. So that adds up to 5 and 7. You know, looking at where they were last year, uh, stats-wise, like uh, a very good stuff rate, a very efficient defense, and, you know, was very good at not giving up big plays, was pretty good at stopping 
a decent stuff rate, decent overall rushing S&P plus, really, really bad at uh, success rate plus, which is just like the average, the average play that a defense surrenders is, which mm-hmm. isn't great. On offense, they were also really low on success rate. They were not a very good defense, or a very good offense overall. They were no. like in the low one or in the high one hundreds in passing down uh, success rate, which means that like if you put them in a passing down uh, situation, they probably weren't going to be successful. Yeah, I mean they're they're not a very good team, unfortunately. I mean they've got a lot of you know, they're one of these teams that's just going to stack up fourth years and seniors and juniors because they never have anybody leave. And, you know, Derek Mason's sort of model and James Franklin's model when he was there, too, was sort of to um, get all of these, you know, pretty good players and try to develop them into excellent players by their fourth year. And I guess we just have to hope that that happens. You know, Kyle Shermer is their returning quarterback. He was really good through the end of the year. Very efficient. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of adopted the whole game manager thing. But, you know, honestly, that was all a very long. That was a five minute way of saying basically what you just said. Which is that? <laughs> I yeah, I think you're right. I think more of the same. I mean, I I cannot see them getting to six games, and um, no. I could see them going five and seven and getting into a bowl via APR and winning that. But mm-hmm. I mean, if we go down, if you just like first brush, ask me, what are the obvious wins on the schedule? Middle Tennessee, yep. Alabama, A and M, and that's and that's, a, that's it. Really, it? Yeah, yeah. So then basically, you have to. So you get those two wins. So you got to get. You have to win three of these. You have to win three of. Kansas State, to get to five and seven, you have to win have Kansas State, South Carolina, Western Kentucky, Kentucky, and Missouri. You have to mm-hmm. win three out of the five there. And that doesn't, I mean, Western Kentucky's good. You know, I mean, Western Kentucky, by S&P Plus prediction, is as good as Missouri will be next year, which is not saying yeah. much, but for like a second level team, um, for a mid-major quote-unquote team, that's that's very good. But uh, they're in the top 40% of the league, and that's not terrible. That's better than 60% of the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's up there with some SEC teams, but... Obviously, yeah, they're, they're gonna have they're gonna have a hard time, hard go of it, and that's why Bill C's got them at the bottom of the list. I mean, what does this mean for Georgia? I know that the defense at Vanderbilt is the best part of Vanderbilt, and specifically the secondary. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen with our uh, receiving core. It's not as deep as we'd like it to be. It's not proven yet, and their secondary is. It's full of seniors, and I I want to say they're right in the. 30 40 rank um s&p plus for passing specifically on defense yeah 40 yeah and but the good thing going for us when we do play vanderbilt which is uh gonna be a fun time at vandy they're coming off two games one versus alabama and one at florida yeah if you subscribe to sort of the body blow theory which is that Mm -hmm. just getting your butt kicked gotta keep it clean here just getting your butt <laughs> getting your butt kicked like by a very physical team and just getting ran at all day has a cumulative effect on you. Georgia mm-hmm. does set at a pretty good place because they go Alabama at home, Florida away, Georgia at home, Ole Miss away, um, South Carolina away. So like I feel pretty good about that game. I felt pretty mm-hmm. good about that game last year, and we still somehow managed to just crap our pants and lose it. But um, I think it'll be a game that we win handily. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to next on our list, which is going to be. The Mizzou Tigers, the the weird Tigers, the basically in the Big 12 Tigers. <laughs> so Mizzou's coming in their second year with Gary Odom after uh, Gary Pinkle very unfortunately had to um, retire because of health issues and mm-hmm. Slash just chose to retire. So I think uh, we're looking at a lot of volatility. Uh, that's sort of in the title of Bill C's post is how volatile they were last year. Uh, if you look at their explosiveness, they were very explosive um, and they were not very efficient. And this was on offense, that is. 
Very good mm-hmm. at average yards. Very good at average distance on first and third down. <laughs> very low completion rate. Very high yards for completion. So what that tells us is that uh, they were they just throwing bombs. Yeah. Drew, Drew Luck is their uh, quarterback and seems like a pretty competent SEC quarterback who may have a future in the NFL. Shifty guy runs around, maybe a little bit small for the the gentlemen in the NFL who te- tend to get really obsessed with hand size and mm-hmm. waist to hip and all that kind of dumb, weird body horror stuff. Let's see. Defensively, I mean, Craig Kuligowski, but defensively, they were pretty good last year. They lose, I would say, a moderate amount. They were pretty good in adjusted sack rate. They were pretty bad in efficiency. That was, a, I mean, other than that, they were just sort of like slightly below average. I think that what you said before is pretty is pretty right on. I mean, uh, what you said about Vanderbilt really fits here. It's just, it just feels like it's mm-hmm. going to be more of the same. But they were also injury uh, stricken, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. And so they're, they're coming back renewed. They have a lot of JUCO transfers. And so another team that just isn't proven yet. And so we'll have to see uh, how that all shakes out. Yeah, I mean, they've got Terry Breckner Jr., who's a former five-star recruit on the defense, should be better this year. Um, you know, a pretty brutal schedule. They go Missouri State at home, 95% win probability. South Carolina at home, 49% win probability. Purdue at home, 77% win probability. So you could be going into week four, two and one at the worst if you lose that South mm-hmm. Carolina game. Then you go Auburn at home, at Kentucky, at Georgia, Idaho at home, at Connecticut for some reason, and then Florida at home, Tennessee, <laughs> at Vandy, at Arkansas. The problem is, um, I mean, Bill C's got him pegged at 6.3 wins this year, which feels about right because you're probably 2-1 and one after the third game. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you got to, after Purdue, going Auburn, Kentucky, Georgia, two less good teams in Idaho and Connecticut, and then Florida, Tennessee, that's, that's pretty rough. Yeah. I was just going to say... Um... I think that really after those first two to three games, we're going to see what kind of Mizzou we're playing with because Bill C's got them projected at 22nd um, offensively, which is awesome. That's freaking fantastic. But we're going to have to wait to see what kind of team we're going to see. We're free. It's freaking fantastic in UGA terms because uh, mm-hmm. we're so used to being like in the 80s and 90s. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the thing is, if um, if you look at what they did last year on defense, I mean, it was not that impressive. No, no. We were at uh, rushing SP plus 109. <laughs> And if you recall in the Missouri game, that was a yeah. pretty big game for us offensively. Uh, even our very bad def- our offense last year was was still able to move the ball on them. Passing S and P plus seventy two, standard downs S and P plus eighty three, and then passing downs S and P plus one hundred two. Like that's not mm-hmm. good at all. You're right. I mean, they could be twenty second in offense and lose a bunch of games like forty five thirty five or you know thirty seven thirty five or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it feels like to me. Um, there's just such a big margin between the offense and defense projections yeah i mean i guess you know there's a there's a world in which like you see drew look so drew lock i think is his name you see him catch fire and he wins them a couple of games just by like playing out playing out of his mind you know but mm-hmm. i mean what what is the variance level at which florida beat florida tennessee i mean that doesn't feel those are what uh 24 26 and 39 percent chance of winning those three florida Mm -hmm. or georgia florida tennessee and it just doesn't feel like that missouri is going to take two of those i don't think they're going to be in the running for that fourth place spot between those top three and we'll talk about why here in a minute but it feels to me like six and six i kind of feel let's see what's your prediction let me look at this Six and six seems generous because a lot of these projections are well under 50 percent and i see they've got like missouri state sure that's a big win Purdue, most likely. Um, Connecticut, that's three. We got Idaho. Um, that's, yeah. Four. You see so, them at four, and then it's like, 
can they win two? Can they win a combination of two out of um, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas? Mm-hmm. I I don't know, man. <laughs> that doesn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they beat anybody, it's going to be South Carolina at home because that's a coin flip and they have home field advantage, sure. But I but think that still that... only puts them to five. Yeah, exactly. So I don't see a six game coming out of this unless they just get lucky somewhere. Doesn't make much sense to me. I think that they have the variance to be better than South Carolina or to be better than Vanderbilt. But well, we'll talk about this when we get to the rankings. So let's move on to our mm-hmm. next team, uh, okay. South, South Kakalaki. South Kakalaki. Everyone's talking about Will Muschamp. So Will Muschamp has recruited well. Um, he got a really good cornerback uh, recruit that everyone pretty much wanted last year. He had offers from everywhere, named uh, Jamias Williams, who looks like he'll be. A real dynamic, charismatic leader on the field type guy, leader in the locker room as well, who looks like hmm. he's going to start and play this year. So that's always exciting for them. Um, you know, it looked like they they were very young last year. They had a pretty uh-huh. good quarterback in Jake Brantley, um, who sort of came out of nowhere as a freshman who was like 16 or something going out there and just playing with his hair on fire. <laughs> it just doesn't, again, I don't know. They're going to get better. Uh, and they definitely had some bright spots and they were young but i don't know with their continued youth you know i i i think they could probably scare some but i'm not sure what much there do you have any thoughts i mean i think you said everything i was basically going to say with a young (laughs) team it's 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 all up in the air and it's just like the coin flips that we've been talking about it's like you you can guess all you want but there's no real telling what's going to happen. You can yeah. guess on what you saw last year, but once again, they, like you said, they've recruited this great class and they're going to be a totally different team. But what we do know is they do still have, uh, what's his face at QB, Jake, Jake Brantley. Brantley. Um, and they have Will Muschamp as a coach. And Will Muschamp is a great defensive mind and it shows in the numbers too, even with his last year. Yeah. Like they did just fine on defense, but they had a lot of issues at offense. So if they can uh, continue to to grow on offense, then sure. Yeah, I think this could be a really good team. But um, they're looking at another 6-6, six and six, just like our, our Tiger friends. I mean, I, I, I feel 7-5 and five is possible. So, okay, you've got... So last year, if you're looking at their uh, offensive radar, last mm-hmm. year their highest... They, had, they were okay, like in the 60s, at uh, 20-yard passes per game. And they were pretty good, like in the 30s, at completion rate. But pretty much their offense was trash other than that. So what that tells me is that Jake Brantley is, I mean, and, and your eyes will back this up if you watch the tape. Jake Brantley is just a very accurate passer who can hit the mm-hmm. man he needs to hit. Um, so they've got to get more explosive. They've got two guys who could be big play threats. Debo Samuel, Samuel was a guy who dealt with a lot of injury issues last year. And then Brian Edwards, who was sort of a, fr- a freshman revelation, really, really good player. But yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of variance, but they feel to me like this is the one that I feel like is out of order because I just kind of feel like South Carolina might jump up and hurt someone. I mean, mm-hmm. can you see a world in which, you know, Will Muschamp's defense gets enough percentage better that they catch Tennessee? Or, you know, if we're looking at our let, let's take a moment and look at our schedule here. Yeah. Um, so we so in order, we've got NC State, 44 percent, Missouri, 51 percent, Kentucky, 58 percent, Louisiana Tech, 80 percent. Texas A&M, 30%. Arkansas, 52%. Tennessee, 34%. Vanderbilt, 65%. Georgia, 30%. Florida, 31%. Wofford, uh, 92 And Clemson, 23 So, you know, you give them, if you give them Louisiana Tech, Wofford, and what else? Uh, it looks like maybe Vandy. Vandy's yeah. at 65 Yeah. So, I mean, I'm comfortable giving them Louisiana Tech, Wofford, Vandy, um, and then some combination of two out of the three of Arkansas, 
um, NC State Missouri. I think they can mm-hmm. go two. They can go two and one, and that's in yep. that stretch. I mean, I that's I feel like conservatively that feels like six wins. You know, Bills got them at five point eight. I just they're at Tennessee. It's the week. If you looking looking at Tennessee's schedule, they're at Tennessee on the week after Tennessee goes where? Let's see. Yeah, so they're at Tennessee the week after Georgia. They uh, Tennessee hosts Georgia. I just think there's a possibility either way there that either if Tennessee beats Georgia or if Georgia beats Tennessee, that either way. I mean, I, I just don't really trust Tennessee's psyche. And I know this is like very much not what our podcast does, talking about like body <laughs> language and psychology. But I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, I just feel like they might jump up and bite someone possibly. And I think that part that team might be Tennessee. And I hope it is too because I hate Tennessee. If we could statistically objectify teams psychologically then we totally would but yeah there's just too much variance in there yeah they're tell they're totally it. Yeah. um do you have anything else on them no i'm i'm scared of south carolina i'm always scared of south carolina i'm scared of will muschamp um yeah and so i guess we'll just see how they start we'll see what happens no i i, I think you're absolutely right yeah it's and it's a long way to georgia so absolutely we'll see and i i think that you know we were talking in our last episode about how the complexion of the series changes mm-hmm. when south you know in the sense that we are playing south carolina the latest that we played them since what was the what was it you looked up it was like the oh, 1920s it was like 1939 yeah 39 something like that yeah I it think, was the last time we played them this late in the season i think what that does change is that if you look at the games that come before Georgia on South Carolina's schedule Texas A&M Arkansas Tennessee Vanderbilt Missouri Kentucky NC state Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a chance that they come into the Georgia game and we know that they're bad. Yeah. I mean, and that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be great. And there's, I mean, there's a chance that they come into the Georgia game and we have to really care about it. But I, I really do think that there's a possibility that, you know, they could come in. I mean, there, there's a nightmare scenario scenario where they come in having only Missouri, Louisiana Tech, Vanderbilt. Yeah. And they're coming in like, you know, three and six. I think that's very possible. Um, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would it would feel good. I, I feel like we, we can talk about this more going forward in the season, but how long has it been since Georgia just destroyed, trucked an SEC team? I mean, it's just been, like dismantled them. I'm trying to think in recent memory if there's any. It's it's always like a nail biter no matter what. I and, feel like if I had to guess it was anybody, it was probably like Vanderbilt. And I think that Aaron Murray did yeah, pretty the, well against the Tigers their very first year they joined the SEC. Yeah, the the Aaron Murray era had some pretty good wins over mm-hmm. Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Um, some not so good wins, some pretty good ones there. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably been since that time. I mean, we've kind of just been eking it out. I feel like that South Carolina and Missouri are both pretty good, pretty good candidates this year. I think these bottom three in this bottom tier, all three could be people that Georgia truck. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I'm going to actually mess up our audio quality and just like. That is me audibly knocking on wood because I actually sort of don't believe that that's going to happen, but we'll uh-huh. see. Let's talk about Kentucky. Easily the most exciting team, I would say, of these of the of the four that we've talked about so far. Projected to go 6 and 6, so that's not super exciting, but <laughs> but you know Mark Stoops has got done some good things with this team. He has recorded recruited really well in the Ohio era, er, the Ohio area. Um <laughs> He has, I mean, he had a very good um, running back last year, Stanley Boone Williams. They looked explosive. He has, he discovered a, a decent, I mean, I don't know if he ever really settled in a uh, quarterback. Stephon Johnson played a lot last year. It looked like it was going to be Drew Barker's time. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, Eddie Grand was a former Western Kentucky coordinator who looks like he might be a rising star. So there's definitely something to be like very excited about going forward. But mm-hmm. what were you going to say? Go ahead. Oh, I don't know what I was, I was just going to agree with you. 
Um, I was trying to read down through all their notes, kind of looking at their radars and all, but their their S and P plus last year is real rough on offense. But I know that there were a lot of shining stars uh, that are definitely developing. But I want to say, but I don't want to say it before I know numbers wise that the offensive line had a, took a lot of that blame as to why there wasn't as much mm-hmm. production as there needed to be. Well, let's look. Yeah. So if you look at line stats, um, adjusted line yards, offensive rank ten. Standard down carry, uh, 13 pass downs per carry, 19 opponent um, power over stuff rate, 34. I mean, they, they were actually pretty odd. They're pretty good on offensive line. Actually pretty. Okay. Not I mean, bad at all. Adjusted line yards, 10 in the nation. Like, I would have killed to have that last year. Yeah, but, that feels good. But on the other hand, their defensive line yards, 119. Uh, adjusted line yards, uh, 127 standard downs wow. per carry. Yeah, 111 uh, passing downs per carry power sr which is like a power stat basically um is 102 and stuff rate is 126 which, yeah so 126 stuff rate means that they were as bad at stuffing people behind the line of scrimmage like limiting limiting running back opposing running backs to you know gains of uh, one yard or less as like east san Antonio. i was gonna say georgia state <laughs> yeah georgia, yeah like north texas idaho kind of i mean way worse yeah. than that actually so that looks the defensive line looks like a concern. I mean, they have okay, they have their recruiting, their five year ranking recruiting looks uh is better than you would expect it. Five year uh let's see. Five year recruiting rank. Let me find it real quick. Where where is it on here? So many stats to bury through. Mm-hmm. Um I can't even find it right now, but it's pretty good. Uh and you know, they've they've done some things that if you were to sit down from scratch and think about like how are you how how are you how could you be successful at the University of Kentucky playing uh, football? They've done mm-hmm. a lot of things that you would do, right? You make good, yeah. aggressive coaching hires of assistants that are, you know, under the radar. You uh, just go into Cincinnati and Southern um, Ohio and you recruit the crap out of a lot of those really, really good high schools who have a lot of very good, very well-trained three-star players that aren't going to get offers from Alabama. And then you basically just sort of wing in a prayer it, and that's what they've been able to do having said that they might still go six and six yeah they're right in that same tier as a six and six but yeah you can even look at the the actual schedule right here where they're the first team actually out of the ones we've talked about that have a hundred percent win probability on the schedule against eastern kentucky but the rest of the schedule looks pretty tough you've got southern miz at 70 percent 100 percent eastern kentucky south carolina um at south carolina 42 percent you got 29 percent florida Eastern Michigan's 84, Missouri is 60, Mississippi State 38, Tennessee's 43, Ole Miss 44, Vanderbilt 52, Georgia 28, Louisville 29. But what I don't see in those, there's not a whole lot of coin flip games Mm-mm. is the problem. And so that can uh, that can definitely be tricky uh, when you're trying to get to that 500 record for these guys. Yeah, I mean, you figure Southern Miss, Eastern Kentucky, um, they go 2-0 right out of the gate. If they don't, that's a problem. Yeah. You give them Eastern Michigan... You probably, based on what we've been talking about, you give them Missouri. Mm. Um, and then maybe, so that gives them to four. So then they've got to win two out of, what are we looking at here? Um, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Louisville, I guess. Yeah, Louisville. I feel I, I know that the Louisville. stats say Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. <laughs> Just Louisville. I know stats say that Louisville has a, a much better chance of winning, of course. But that last game of the season for any team is closer to a coin flip, I think, than a lot of people would would guess and that's a very mm-hmm. unchapel bell curve thing to i say, mean that, but that's, it's true that is a classic end of season i mean 
you know, it is it is not the Chapel Bell Curve brand to go off stats, but I will say that you know you can statistically look and find end of season rivalry games being high variance. Yes. That is not that is something that we can prove. And so, I mean, I think uh, if Kentucky has a decent defensive line, which they should, well, let me rephrase: if they just have a competent defensive line, mm-hmm. if they go from 120 to you know 80. Uh, they have a chance against Louisville, who is probably going to have a trash offensive line again this year. Mm-hmm. And Louisville's not known for being really big on the run game necessarily. They're they're passers. They're little, quick, super explosive, fast guys. And so right. they they were better in the secondary. Kentucky was better in the secondary than their line, like we just read. They right. were absolute garbage on the line. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's talk a moment. Let's stop and talk a moment here. And just for our bottom, we consider these to be the bottom four you know, the second tier of the SEC. So let's talk about finish order. What do you think that looks like here? Uh, finish order for these guys? For these four, yeah. I want Mizzou to do better. Than... <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, just for the sake of good football, see Mizzou come out swinging real hard. Um, but I really honestly think that Vanderbilt's going to be in the bottom and then Missouri and then Kentucky and then South Carolina. What'd you got? I think I would say... I I would probably say Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, and Kentucky, just because I think that Vanderbilt's offensive is high variance enough that they might steal a game or two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that there's a reverse argument to be made where you just put Missouri at the bottom because of that, because there's a world where Missouri just can't win anything. Yeah. Um, but I have seen enough of Drew Locke, and I like him enough that I'm willing to bet that they're going to they're gonna steal a game from somebody, whether it's South Carolina or Kentucky, to put them up above the bottom too okay i definitely yeah that sounds good to me all right so let's go to the top of the uh the sec east um really i think tennessee florida and georgia uh are the three that you think about that are in contention that are in uh com or not if not conference then at least division title you know competition or whatever so let's 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 start with tennessee sort of the story on tennessee you know narrative wise is that last year was supposed to be the year for tennessee um, it was the year where they had a bunch of seniors. They had Derek Barnett. They had Josh Dobbs. He had Alvin Kamara. He had a bunch of guys who had been in the program for a long time, had seen it through the dark days. And that last year was supposed to be their promised land year. And they still won only nine games and did not go to Atlanta. Um, they lose a lot. Uh, and, you know, I think sort of the prevailing narrative is that they lose so much that they're going to take a step back. And I think... I mean, I, I, I don't know that I disagree with that narrative, but I do think that they are better than people. I think just saying, well, they lost Josh Dobbs um, is probably a little bit of an oversimplification. And They've also lost, yeah, they, like you said, it is definitely an oversimplification because Dobbs is gone and they lost uh, both their star running backs and their leading receiver and their big tight end. And so all of those guys are gone. And then I think... If I'm not mistaken, most of their offensive line is gone as well. Or no, the defensive line, excuse me. Um, and so it's, it's kind of all over the place. So they just lost a, a lot of big names. Yeah. I mean, okay, so here's what we know about them from camp. Um, you've got two relatively talented young cornerbacks, Jared Guarantano and Quentin Dormandy, who seem to be going back and forth. At last glance, or I don't really keep up with a lot of the other FCC, but it looks like that this is going to be Quentin Dormandy's uh, team to lose. Um I might be getting that backwards. Anyway, yeah, I actually think it is um, Jaron Gorontano's lose. But anyway, Gorontano is a, I think, redshirt sophomore. He's pretty wily. He moves around pretty well. He's not going to be your typical, like, Josh Dobbs scrambly quarterback, but he can move um, a little bit more of a pocket passer. 
So he looks pretty good. They have uh, Jawan Jennings, who is a very, very good wide receiver coming back that, you know, that pass connection. They have a very good offensive line prospect coming in, um, a couple of four and five stars rotating around on the offensive line. Their offensive line may not be better, but I don't think it's going to take a huge step back. Um, You know, last year they were very good at offense. I mean, very efficient, um, not quite as explosive, but definitely could hit you in the long game. Uh, could just run, just could run the hell out of the ball offensively. Um, so I don't know that that's where they're going to be. They've still got John Kelly coming back. Uh, they lost Alvin Kamara, but John Kelly is a very good, um, he's a big dude, kind of low to the ground. Um, not quite Nick Chubb, like bowling ball kind of, but still a bigger dude. Um, uh, you know, defensively Derek Barnett, they lost him. They lost, uh, shit on. You'll have to, you'll have to cut that off. Oh yeah, they lost Jalen Reeves Maben. Um and they also lost uh most importantly they lost John Jancic, who was like the worst defensive coordinator in the world and is a former Georgia coach who was just god awful. Uh and they brought in Bob Shoup last year, who was a very good coordinator at uh Pennsylvania State. So my thought would be that even though they lose a bunch of guys that uh Shoup will I mean he's he didn't forget how to coach last year. I, I think he'll he'll be better. Um the back seven looks pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into them here, even though I kind of hate them. What, how are you feeling? <laughs> You're kind of talking me into them as well. Like I, I was pretty sold on the sense that they just lost a lot of big guys. But then as I look at more numbers, like you, you mentioned John Kelly, uh, the running back, that's kind of going to be leading the, the rushing game for these guys. They He ran on his own just for 630 yards last year, which uh, you compared him to Nick Chubb. And so you're not, not too far off. Um, but he was also more efficient than both Kamara and Hurd. Uh, I think he was right under 50% of all of his carries were gaining at least five yards. And that's a solid 15% uh, higher than both Kamara and Hurd. And so that's going to be fantastic. Um, I am interested to see Jawan Jennings. I'm interested to see what he does because um, I don't recall much of his gameplay, actually. And so I'm curious to kind of watch that. Okay, so we'll, let's before we do our predictions, let's talk about the schedule here. I'm going to run it down with win probabilities, um, and then you give me your take on what that feels like to you. Okay, so we got Georgia Tech, 56%. Indiana State, 98%. Florida, at Florida, 30%. Um, Massachusetts, 93%. Georgia, 51%. South Carolina, 66%. At Alabama, 7%. At Kentucky, 57%. Southern Miss, 87%. Missouri, at Missouri, 61%. LSU, 29 and Vanderbilt 74 so what does that feel like it's uh there's a whole lot of all over the place there's only a couple coin flips in there one coin flip really uh if you don't count Kentucky that 57 percent is less of a coin flip to me than a straight up 49 or 51 and so it's either win or lose essentially and what kind of team shows up that day yeah, I mean, okay, so before we get into, I, I really want this to be a trash on Butch Jones session, but let's <laughs> let's play the, let's play the, like, what, who do you give them off the top here, wins-wise? So you got to give them Indiana State, you got to give them Massachusetts, you got to give them, what else, Southern Miss, and I would probably say Vanderbilt. That's four. I mean, it's the end, and they, it's a revenge game, and as much as I hate Butch Jones, I cannot imagine that they don't. They don't take care of that game. But if they don't, he might get fired. So that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so, then, so that gets him to four. Is this this Let, is only Butch Jones' third year. Is that correct? This is his fourth, I think. Fourth? Okay. Yeah. So then, Yeah, he could definitely get fired. There's a, a very good yeah. chance that could happen. Let's give them Missouri. That gets them to five. 
So to get to seven, they have to win some. They got to win two out of the remaining out of the following game. Georgia Tech, Florida, Georgia, uh, LSU. Yeah, Georgia Tech, Florida, Georgia, LSU. Can they go two and two in that stretch? That's the question. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Georgia Tech. If they lose to Georgia Tech, what happened? Talking about that, that's kind of home field advantage for Georgia Tech as well. Like Tennessee's going to travel well, sure, but yeah, if they lose to Georgia Tech, then then the wheels the wheels could fall off, right? They I'm, could definitely fall off because they'll they'll still be Indiana State. They'll go into Florida one and one. I mean, because you go to Florida and Florida's looking for revenge. Let, let me just bet. Let me worst case scenario that you lose to Georgia Tech, which is always possible because Georgia Tech it runs this annoying offense that reminds mm-hmm. everyone about the inevitability of their death. <laughs> um, so you lose to Georgia Tech, you beat Indiana State, you lose to Florida, you beat Massachusetts. You're two and two going into the Georgia game, which is still at home and it's still a coin flip on the board. Yeah. Okay. So let's okay. Let let's say for the sake of this and worst case scenario, let's try to be realistic. Let's let's give them Georgia. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but let's just say so that puts you at three and two. Then you've got South Carolina, Alabama, Kentucky, Southern Miss, Missouri, LSU, Vanderbilt. What are your absolute wins there? Southern Miss and Vanderbilt. So that gets you to five. Could you lose to Alabama? Yes. Yeah. Could you lose to Kentucky? Yes. yes. Could you lose to South Carolina? It's less likely, but yes. Could you lose to Missouri? Probably not. And you probably will lose to LSU. I mean, so like, if you just take either, you take either a loss to mm-hmm. Georgia or you take a loss to uh, Kentucky, it's just like, you could be looking at six or seven wins here. And even though I know this is like stupid SEC BS that this would be the case because I think Butch Jones is actually a pretty good coach. That, that that gets you fired. Yeah, that gets you fired. I, I just don't foresee this year looking all that great for Tennessee in the SEC East. I think this season's going to mm-hmm. be kind of stop and go. It's going to be very up and down, game to game, and they're not going to sit on any sort of streak. And uh, I think we all know that the more you win, the easier it gets to also win. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that what we just did, I think, is the process of that's why he's going to get fired because if you look at this team and you think about their future it looks pretty good they have a lot of talent they've recruited well um they just are not this is not the right time for them to make a run because of the the dynamics of their schedule and the division it's a bad schedule and i mean the sense at the two and five year ranking uh for recruiting they're right on like the 10th place recruiting rank and there's no sense in losing the games that they've lost um over the last few years with that kind of recruiting yeah two and five year ranking of 14 and 13 yeah, that doesn't... Okay, no, now, this is a good transition. Let's talk about Butch Jones. Um, just the worst kind of youth minister. He, he is... <laughs> again, we're getting, a, we're getting a little off of the Chapel Bell Curve brand here, but uh-huh. oh, good God. But we're humans. We're people. We Are are we not men? If you prick us, do we not bleed? Um, <laughs> little uh, Merchant of Venice for those of you keeping track at home. Um, Butch Jones is just like... He's the guy, he's the youth minister who tries to get you to sign the pledge that says mm-hmm. that every word of the Bible is absolute the wor- absolutely the word and the truth. <laughs> um, and you're just like, I just came here to try to make out with this girl, Daryl. Butch Jones is the youth minister doing the altar call every single Sunday. Yeah, I, just 100% of the time. I can't do it. Champions of life, get up here. <laughs> Give, wash yourself in the blood of the lamb. Okay, let's not lose any, <laughs> well, let's, let's not lose any listeners here. Um but just just the worst kind of cliche machine, and it doesn't seem that the dynamics within his quarter, within his coaching, um, his coaching circle or whatever, are very good. Uh, he definitely has thrown two offensive coordinators under the bus already, so I, it doesn't feel that great to me. All right, what, what were you? Uh, no, I was I was saying no, 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 and then I was about to look at uh, just everything about Butch Jones, what 
he inherited and it just doesn't it was a tough program i mean he okay so he's a yeah he's a good coach they have insane expectations there lane kiffin i mean lane kiffin did not destroy that program lane kiffin was is a good coach and was a baller recruiter when he was at tennessee but he left a lot of structural instability there because they had mm-hmm. they were already paying phil fulmer he gets fired or well he leaves um the next day or the a week later they hired Derek dooley um, a cheap coach who was supposed to be kind of the game manager who got them to the the, the promised land. And Derek Dooley just in 48 months basically took that program apart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he came in with basically nothing. The cover was bare. And so he has done very well. But I think just the fact of the matter is if you're going to lose, which you were going to lose when you came into this Tennessee job, if you're going to lose as much as he loses, you cannot be such an idiot with the media. Mm-hmm. The I, People, you know, a lot of coaches have saved their jobs because of the media. And if you act like an idiot in front of the media, they're going to eat you alive, especially in a town like Knoxville. <laughs> I lived in Knoxville for two years. Um, it's beautiful country. Uh, the mountains are beautiful, but there's Tennessee football. And then like, that's it. That's it. And that's all that's going on. That's all those people have to live for. <laughs> everything, everything is 45 minutes away from each other. And if you're living in Knoxville, you're uh, 45 minutes from like Dollywood. Even. Like even the white trash thing that you want to do in Knoxville, and I'm not knocking it. I went to Dollywood. It's awesome. Even the white trash thing that you want to do in Knoxville is far away from Knoxville. It's like the closest big city to Knoxville is not Nashville. It's Atlanta. So the expectations of that base and just the way that East Tennessee rides and dies with the University of Tennessee is such that he just, he had no room for error when it came to the soft skill stuff. And I just, I, he's just he's bungled it I, I i mean there's part of me that thinks he doesn't deserve to get fired because he's actually a pretty good coach but there's part of me that's like you know part of being a good coach is playing mm. the politics game but hey if mark rick can get fired butch jones can, can get fired 100 percent. yeah mark rick mark rick is a damn good dog and a good mm-hmm. human being and he got fired so all right let's turn from the second most hated well my personal second most hated team <laughs> to my personal most hated team i really love that we've given you um a medium for you to stand on a soapbox and uh really just have, open up <laughs> i have so many thoughts and like the well of my hatred for florida is so deep it feels oh, you're gonna share oh my god it. i can't even okay we need to talk about these games and we need to stay on coast on, on track here because you are my co-host damn it and you will talk and and if i start talking about florida you will not talk for 30 minutes you will be gone to your next thing without me <laughs> stop talking about florida so that's true, though. But I really enjoy hearing you talk about Florida. But let's get right into it. <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about Florida. So uh, projected S&P, rank plus, uh, S&P Plus ranking of 15. Uh, projected to go 8-4. and four. Um, Look, they have a good defense. They lost, they, lost Jeff, they lost Jeff Collins to Temple. And they brought in Randy Shannon, a guy who ran Miami into the ground, but has always been a great recruiter, if not a great game coach. Um, I Do you want my thoughts, or do you want to give your thoughts first? Hit me with your thoughts. Okay, here's my thoughts. The... A lot of what they did in the last few years was that Jeff Collins was an excellent coach and they were playing with very, very good talent left over from Muschamp. They have recruited well. They have not recruited Muschamp well on the defensive side. I cannot fathom. I know that as I know what SP Plus tells us in terms of returning um, returning production is actually not super good or it's not super bad, but it's also not good compared to the rest of the SEC East, but they lost a lot off of a very good defense. They lost Alex Anzalone. They lost two very, who was a linebacker. They lost two very good uh, defensive backs. I, I just cannot, I cannot understand how they would not take a step back. They were a good Mm -hmm. defense last year. Um, And 
I, I mean, the only thing they weren't good at was yards per completion, uh, which meant you can you could pass on the intermediate level against them. But I mean, I just I don't understand how they don't take a, a, a step back. If you look at their returning production, returning production is 81 percent on the offense, 53 percent on the defense. That does not bode well. 53% does not bode well. And then on the other side, my, yeah, you bring you bring in Malik Zaire. He's supposed to be the guy who saves you from your horrible quarterback rotation you've been dealing with for four years. And he can't, well, he can't beat out Felipe Franks right now. He is not, they are still splitting snaps. It is currently August 21st. And the last thing I read was that Malik Zaire had still not won the job. He had not beaten out uh, Luke Del Rio, who is only famous because of his dad, who used to run a horrible Jaguars football team. He couldn't beat out Felipe <laughs> Franks, who was basically a super talented arm attached to a husk of a body who can't think apparently and you can't beat out those two dudes to come in and win the job like that does not bode well for me i mean you've got antonio callaway you've got a very good receiving core you've got jordan scarlett you've got what should be a decent decent offensive line but i just i just don't see eight and four man i I don't it i cannot fathom how the expectation would be that all of those guys who did not get snaps last year because they were very lucky on um they were very lucky on injuries last year. I cannot, I cannot fathom how they don't get worse on defense, especially. Yeah, defense is definitely going to get worse, and that was really the best part of Florida. That yeah. was the redeeming. I mean, that's if, how they won. That's how they won. They won from their defense. They kept their offense on the field as little as possible, and uh, their defense just wore down the other team eventually. But yeah, the key to a successful Florida is going to be figuring out their ridiculous quarterback situation because they have not had a successful quarterback. Honestly, like they've had, they put up some good numbers, but they have not really had a successful quarterback in eight seasons. And eight seasons ago was Tim Tebow. Uh, but since then, they've had 11, almost 11 different quarterbacks. When we have a bye week, can we just go ahead and commit to this? When we have a bye week, can we just record me ranting about Tim Tebow for like 35 minutes? Yes. Because I have that in me. So I actually, so side note, um, plug another podcast that I'm a part of called Cahoots Regardless that is really still um, just really deep in like the dark net of podcasts because we really don't publish anything because it's really just for fun. But we did a segment once called, um, it was like, what podcast are you listening to this week? And one of them, and it was always made up, but one of them was Tim Tebow's Worst Verses. And it was a podcast where Tim Tebow would just talk about his least favorite Bible verses. Oh my God, dude. I have so much to say about him. <laughs> I I can't like, it's just, it's coming out of my mouth like a frog. It's just like, bleh, like I'm vomiting it up right now. Okay, focus. Let's go through the schedule. Yes. Okay. Uh, front to back, Michigan, 45%. North, uh, Northern Colorado, 99%. Tennessee, 70%. Kentucky, 71%. Vanderbilt, 85%. LSU, 43%. Texas A&M, uh, 66%. Georgia, 60%. Missouri, 74, South Carolina, 69, UAB, 100, and Florida State, 38. So what do we give them? You got to give them Northern Colorado off the top. You got to give them UAB off the top. You got to give them probably, let's say, Missouri, Kentucky, possibly Tennessee. That puts them if, yeah, I mean. I don't, yeah, like, like you say Tennessee. I don't give them Tennessee. I don't think I give them Tennessee. I don't know, like. Like you're saying, like I don't think their defense is going to be. There's no way it's going to be as good. There's no way it's going to be better either. It's going to get worse. And Tennessee's looking like they they could be better on offense. Um, after we just spoke about them, Kentucky, everyone's talking about them, and it, they could be equally as good on offense. And then you have Missouri, who they have a 74 percent chance of winning against. But I don't know if we'll know what kind of team Missouri is until their first few games. I mean, okay, 
here's what I don't get. And I, I think, and I, you know, God knows I don't want to say anything bad about stats, God, Bill Connolly, but it, let me read you a quote from his, uh, his preview. This could be another case in which one year's injuries become another year's experience. Davis, Anzalone, and May all missed at least four games in 2016. Meaning sophomores like safety Chauncey Gardner and linebackers David Reese and Keelan Johnson all got more playing time than expected. That that Gardner has six passes defense and Johnson has five tackles for loss is pretty exciting. Throw in a few old hands and you've got yourself a solid first string. But if the injury bug bites again, then the Gators will find a lot of freshmen and will have to field a lot of freshmen in a short amount of time. Here's the thing. Injuries are going to happen. Like they, okay, so I said earlier they got, no, I said Tennessee got lucky. Anyway, they got they were unlucky with injuries. They did lose a lot of guys, and you know they had a lot of very good freshmen playing last year. But I just the guys that they lost, they also brought back mm-hmm. and were also playing. So the idea that somehow that because your yeah. sophomore defensive back played a bunch of snaps last year just suddenly makes them great, like it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, if you could either take Florida or Georgia's defense, you would take Georgia's defense. See, perfect, perfect, they, their projected offensive rank in S and P plus is two. Georgia's projected offensive rank in S&P Plus is 11. I, 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 I cannot conscience, like, I, I don't even get where that is coming from. How? Mm-hmm. How? Who? Show me the players that are playing on this team from last year to this year that are making these magical numbers happen, right? And I think part of what has, I think part of what is getting in the way of this is that these, the returning production numbers have gotten tweaked a little bit by the fact that sophomores played, but I just don't see that many that many of those sophomores suddenly being amazing full-time starters. Those dudes who are gone were all seniors. Like you don't just get get senior level good on defense out of nowhere. Yeah, that projected defensive rank SP plus for, for Florida does not make sense to me. So what's your what do you think about the order here with these top three? Um just with the numbers and the injuries and it just it seems silly. Um so I don't see Florida eking out over Georgia this year. I see a few teams stealing some games from Florida. Um and I see Tennessee being a decent team. They have a lot to prove is the thing. And if they don't prove it, then they're going to be terrible and we just don't have to worry about them. Um, but they have a lot to prove. And I think that they yeah. are more up to the challenge than Florida is almost. Because it feels almost like Florida might just try coasting into this next season with just the success they've had before um, on certain things. And it doesn't feel right. And they're not going to be as good of a team as they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think all of our rant, that all of the rant I just had, won't matter at all if you just if 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 there's a if for some reason their quarterback situation doesn't work out, then everything I just said won't matter because they'll be so bad at offense it'll just be a moot point. It'll be terrible. Yeah. Um, give me Tennessee, Florida, Georgia in that order. So yeah, with all that, I think in a perfect world, Florida loses to both Tennessee and Georgia. To me, that's a perfect world. <laughs> and then we go and beat Tennessee, and then you know, Georgia somehow ends up on top of the SEC East, which I don't think is that far-fetched. And it's not that, you know, crazy of a pipe dream for me to believe. Realistically speaking, if I wanted to just look at Bill's probability and and what he's kind of looking at right now, it's going to be a Florida SEC East for a third year in a row. Uh, But I don't foresee that necessarily happening because I don't believe these probability numbers on Florida's schedule. I think think Tennessee and Florida will both have, will be at eight and four and seven and five respectively. And I just think Georgia goes nine and three. I I was going to say Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, most likely. Um, in my, I'd like that to happen. I think Florida craps a bed, and I think Tennessee does better than what they're being projected at. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. 
You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe and listen to a podcast. You can get in touch with us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or on Twitter at chapelbellcurve. Uh, we will most likely respond because we have nothing better to do than to talk about football and TV. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review. And as always, we'll catch you in the Classic City next week. And until then, go, go dogs. dogs.